welcome to Ridgecrest Baptist. We thank you for listening. Now, here is this week's message. So I hope that you are too. I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 19. Our text this morning is Revelation chapter 19, verse uh, 1 through verse 9. And again, I'm just um, thinking a little bit about great reunions. I was asking the Lord and praying and seeking the Lord's will for our church. Like, what, God, do you want for your people to hear this first day back after two months of being apart? And it's a reunion, God. So what, how do we need to worship you today? And I was reminded of the, the greatest reunion of all time in Revelation chapter 19. And we have in this text a view of the future that we all as believers will get to experience and you uh, have the greatest reunion of all reunions coming if you're a follower of Christ. This is a text that points to a point in history, a real event that's going to take place when we will all, as followers of Christ, have an experience with God face-to-face in His direct presence, united as all believers for all time in a uniform church, rejoicing and focusing on the worship of God. And it's going to be the the greatest reunion of all time. The title of this sermon is Let Us Rejoice. And this is called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. If you know uh, your Bible, you've heard of this Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And this is a coming celebration, a real feast, I believe, in a physical heaven, in newly transformed physical bodies that's going to inaugurate a new world. And that's what the setting is for our text. I believe this is going to have taken place after the rapture. The believer's judgment will also take place. And believers are judged not for salvation, but for our rewards. It's called the Bema Seat Judgment. So the the rapture has taken place in this text. The Bema Seat Judgment has taken place for rewards for faithful service as followers of Christ. And now the church is going to be wed to the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is the bride, and Jesus Christ is the groom. The redeemed are united with Him in such a way that, and albeit we're not told details about this in the Scriptures, but it will make the intimacy that we have as a church, as a corporate worship experience, even better than it ever has been before. And we have the privilege of being able to read what's going to take place in our future. Hey, I'm a grandparent now, and I'm going to tell my granddaughter, I, I'm in the Bible. Did you know that I'm, you've, got, you've said something in the Bible? I'm going to point out to her what we're going to say, and we're about to read it, because what we're hearing in this text is this multitude of believers coming back together in this greatest reunion and worshiping God. You follow as I read our text, Revelation 19, verse 1. After these things, John said... I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because His judgments are true, they are righteous. For He has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. 
And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord, our God, the Almighty, He reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. That is a reunion. And I pray that you're there. And I know I'll be there. And I praise God today that the best is yet to come. It's going to be something that we cannot even imagine after having been apart just for these few weeks. On that glorious day, all of the ones that have died in Christ, our loved ones who had grown old, people who had lost their lives from disease, whether it was the coronavirus or cancer or any other disease, dementia, Alzheimer's, old age, congestive heart failure. They are now in new bodies. You're in a new body. And the focus is God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's corporate worship. It's not being alone. Christian experience is a corporate experience, a family. Welcome home. And in the previous chapter, we've seen in Revelation 18, the, the end of this Babylonian antichrist system. John has revealed the end of Babylon, he says in chapter 18. The antichrist system has been defeated and Babylon has fallen. And that represents those who have chosen in life to be their own Lord and Savior, who have rejected the salvation offered by the Lamb of God. And those who have placed their faith in the world system, the Antichrist system, they are, they are no longer on the scene here. and They've been judged. And meanwhile in heaven, the redeemed are all together in one massive gathering. And the, 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 the refrain repeated over and over is, Hallelujah! Hebrew, Halil, means praise. Yah means the Lord. Praise the Lord. We need to learn that phrase. We're going to be speaking that phrase in heaven. Hallelujah. Over and over. Sounds like a mighty waterfall, and it's us. It's us in the crowd. And the text says that we have reason to praise God. And it tells us what those reasons are. And that's the application for today. The application for today is to realize the reasons that we'll be screaming the praise of our God in heaven 
is the same reason we should be screaming His praises today. And we should be living our lives in such a way that it's not just something we say with our words, but it's something our entire life says with our actions, with our deeds, with our priorities. And this morning we can praise God, not only in word, but we can praise God with the, the, the ways that we live, our commitments and our decisions about life. And the beauty of today is that we have time to prepare for the future. We have time in what we do with our lives, the remaining time that God has given us on earth to be made ready as the bride of Christ. Verse 7 ends, the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. That's what we need to be doing now, making ourselves ready. Verse 8 tells us more about this, that the church made herself ready for the fine linen, it says, is the righteous acts of the saints. And we know and we preach that the gospel says that we don't save ourselves, that we're saved by faith in Christ, not through works, but by grace, the undeserved salvation that God gives us in the forgiveness of Christ through the cross. But the appearance of believers and their ability to, to be able to interact with God across eternity is a function of our faithfulness as Christians once we get saved. It says that the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. What this means is we need to be about preparation for this marriage supper of the Lamb. It means there's a relationship between your stewardship and how you're going to interact with God across eternity. And that ought to catch your attention today. That ought to make, make you realize it's not just all an equal idea of saying, well done, good and faithful service, but there's a calling on your life in such a way that God expects you to invest your, your life in seeking the kingdom of God today and preparing for this future event called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb and I don't know about you, but I don't want to be there after a great reunion, after a time when we've been maybe separated as a church. And all of a sudden to come back, I don't want to have any regrets about how I live my life. And I trust that you don't either. And so we need to decide today that we're going to praise the Lord, beginning with our mouths, that we're going to rejoice and praise Him with our mouths, but not just our mouths, but with our hearts and with our hands and our feet and our actions and our decisions. And I want to show you the reasons why we're going to be praising the Lord in heaven. And I want you to understand that those are the same reasons today that we should be motivated to live for Christ and to say, I want to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to see these reasons that serve as, they spur me, they serve as encouragement, a motivation to follow after Christ, and to just live a life that's a life of worship. And, and I want you to be encouraged today, because this world is not all there is, folks. There's an eternity out there that's going to be unbelievably better than any kind of reunion we're experiencing right now. The best is yet to come. We need to be oriented for that time. And there, again, there's three reasons why that we need to... Praise the Lord with our mouth and our words today. And the first one of those reasons is that He is our source of salvation and satisfaction. Praise God, He is our source of salvation 
and satisfaction. And we see this in verse 1. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. It says that we are saved by God alone, not through any good works. But beyond that, what we're going to find in heaven is that our future is that God Himself will satisfy us. Even as, even as followers of Christ, we struggle with this. Even as followers of Christ, so oftentimes what we really want from God is His blessings on our lives. We want the things that God can provide for us. But what heaven is, is finding our satisfaction in God Himself. We tend to think of God as valuable for us, for what He can do for us. But what this text tells us is that we need to praise God because He is the source not only of salvation, but, but of satisfaction in life. And in, in this day, in this great reunion in heaven, we're going to finally see God face to face. We're going to finally be in His direct presence in a way that's different from it is today. And we'll understand His holiness. We'll understand the cost when we experience His holiness of the cost of the cross. And verse 2 reminds us to worship God for His salvation. This is unique. Around the world today, people are worshiping God, but they're doing it in order to save themselves. They're doing it in order for them to perform and be good enough that God would let them into heaven. But the gospel is unique. God is not just a great tally marker who looks at your life and says, you know, that's a good thing, that's a bad thing, and at the end of your life, he just looks at which list has more on it. That's the, every other world religion. That's what Americans believe today. We live in a country that believes that God is the great tally marker of lives. But in heaven, the redeemed are gathered in with a massive voice praising God, saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belongs to God, our God only. And we see this in verse 2, that it introduces a second reason believers should praise God in this, this great reunion. Not only do we want to praise God today because He is the source of satisfaction. We know He's our salvation, but He's our source of satisfaction. But when God judges the world in verse 2, what we're beginning to understand here in verse 2 is that the world is being made right. The Antichrist and all of his followers have been judged. Verse 2, because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot. She is the corrupter of the earth. We know in our hearts when we see the coronavirus, when we see what's going on in the world, the world is broken, folks. We live in a broken world. And we realize that what this text is telling us is when we're in heaven and we're standing before the throne of God in heaven one day at that great reunion day, we're going to be praising God because His judgments are true. No one here is defending those that have rejected Christ. The, the Verse 3 states, Hallelujah, the smoke from Babylon rises forever. And that smoking ruins pictures eternal righteous judgment over evil. The best is yet to come, and it's going to involve a world that doesn't have the suffering that we have in this world. It's not going to have death and disease and sin 
And we need to be praising God today because He has promised us that the world that we'll enter into one day will be right and new. The second reason to praise God today is God makes all things right and new. And we're in the midst of a global pandemic and the world is losing heart. The world is trying to turn to man's wisdom and turn to science to solve these problems. Our world, unaware that the, 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 the plan of God is to set up a new world that will be disease-free. And what He's calling us to do today is to orient our lives toward that new world because He's going to make a new world free from disease and evil. Evil will be defeated. It will be eliminated completely. Suffering will be gone. And as I look and see people suffering from disease, I'm reminded that we will have new bodies. We'll have new minds. They won't be plagued by pandemics. And our loved ones who've died in Christ They'll be with us. You're going to be standing next to people in your family that you miss. And they're not going to be old. They're not going to have dementia. They're not going to have cancer any longer. They're going to be young and strong. And that's because the Lamb of God has taken away their sins. And He's made them new. There's a new world coming and God's going to make everything right. He's going to fix what's broken today. And it's going to begin with this marriage supper of the Lamb. And John said, these words are true. What I'm telling you today is truth. Verse 4 describes that there's two groups that are worshiping when they see the righteous judgment of God and Him making the world right again. They're the 24 elders and the four living creatures. And these were actually introduced back in chapter 4. The 24 elders, have. this has been debated and I've studied it ex exhaustively, and, and I believe these 24 elders represent 12 believers from the Old Testament and 12 believers from the New Covenant and the New Testament. And as 24 elders, they represent all believers in all times in all parts of the world. The four living creatures are a special class of angels, and they represent the, the creation itself. If you go to chapter 4 and look at them, they describe different parts of creation from the animal kingdom, from wild animals, domestic animals, birds, and from hu the human race. There are four angels that are symbolic of God's creation. And they're worshiping there. All of creation in this new world, in this, this right world, this fixed world, is going to be focused on God's glory and His worship. And it's restored into perfection. And what I'm telling you is that this world is going to be made right. And we need to be encouraged today. And we need to be praising God. We need to be praising God with our lives. And we need to be optimistic about the future because the best is yet to come. Verse 6 is what we need to be saying today. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. And it's going to be a reunion where you're in it. As a, as a member of the church, the true church, if you're born again, you're going to be saying these words. And like I said, I, I'm, in, I, I'm excited that I'm in the Bible. I'm going to highlight this and say this is what I'm going to be saying and practice it. And the question is, will you be there? 
Maybe there's one here today that's never trusted in Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You can be there today. If you're saved, you will be there. And you'll be at the marriage supper. This verse 7, 8, and 9 describes. Verse 7 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was given to her, that is the bride, to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And this brings us to the final reason today that we should be praising God with our words and praising God with our actions, and that is, praise God, He loves the church, and He's given us one another. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb, and let me ask this, it's the Marriage supper of the Lamb to the church. What does that tell you about the Christian experience? What does that tell you about the value of the church to Christ? It ought to tell you that you are saved as individuals, but the Christian experience is lived out through the church. If you haven't learned that, my friend, then you need to do some serious soul-searching and pray. In a 2019 study by Barna, people that call themselves evangelical Christians were polled across the United States, and and 44% of those under the age of 50 said that 44% of the Christians in the age group 18 to 50 stated that the church was not essential to their Christian experience. I am not in the 44%. In other words, half of Christians across America said that the church was not essential to their Christian life. That is in complete disagreement with the Word of God. It is clear in Scripture that we are to see the church and the value of the church which is manifested in the local church. The local church is the only actual demonstration of the church itself as incredibly important to the Christian experience. I praise God for the church. I praise God that I don't have to go through life alone. And I praise God that when we're in heaven, we're not going to be alone going through that experience in heaven, but there's going to be other believers in the church that are with us. And what I've tried to encourage you to see is we've we've been apart, folks, and there's going to be a time probably when we die and we're going to be apart from, one, from people that we've loved or they'll go before us. But this is just a little slice of heaven. What is it going to be like on that day when we all come back together at the marriage supper of the Lamb and see people that have experienced or have influenced our lives over the years and see them young? And strong again. I believe in the church. I believe in corporate worship. We are the bride of Christ. Brothers and sisters. We come together. When we come together. We change the world. We say praise God. The world begins to to change. And in His presence. We come together and there's fullness of joy and at His right hand pleasures forevermore. And we experience something that we can't experience at home when we're by ourselves. 
We declare our allegiance together today that we will not bow down to the Babylon influence of our world today, that our allegiance is to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we will not be dominated by the Babylonian mindset, but our citizenship is in heaven. Paul said in Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're waiting for Him today. And there is nothing that has to take place before the rapture. And we need to be about preparation to be married to Him. We hold a special place in the Lord Jesus Christ's view. We're the apple of His eye. And throughout the Bible, God used marriage as a, as a symbol of His relationship. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the people of God, were they were espoused to God. They were um, to be God's wife. And that's what our future holds. And people debate this marriage supper of the Lamb. Scholars get together and study it. Some scholars think it's just symbolic and others think it's literal. And I agree with those that say it is a literal feast. I believe that having looked at all the evidence, that this is a real feast that's going to take place. It's, it's, it is a reunion of all reunions. And it is going to be in heaven, and it institutes uh, the millennial reign of Christ on earth for a thousand years. And if you read the next chapter, you see, you better get ready to ride a horse, my friend, because you're going to get one. And it's just like a human marriage. It makes us closer to Christ. It's a new relationship between God's people and Christ. And it begins with salvation. Being, being in the church has nothing to do with a piece of paper. Do we understand that? Being in the church has nothing to do with what your parents have done or your grandparents have done. We don't get in based on the membership of other people we know. The Christian experience begins with a personal decision to receive Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior. And this text says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And Christ is inviting you right now, but you've got to open your heart to Him. And again, for Christians here today, it says it was given to the church to clothe herself in, in linen. That means we are saved and given the linen by Christ and what He's done for us when He went to the cross and He paid for your sins. And it made, it, it made us right with God. When we trust in Him, there's a sacrifice in, uh, that's put on our account so that our sins are paid by the Lamb of God. That's why it's the marriage supper of the Lamb of God to the church. But it also again says that we have righteous acts that somehow affect our relationship with Christ across eternity. And so as followers of Christ today, we need to, we need to look at our own lives and ask, ask God, God, what is it that I need to be doing with the time that I have remaining so that when I stand before you and when I'm part of the marriage supper of the Lamb, I have no regrets. And that might be um, God has been calling you to do something for the church through an act of service for the church, maybe accepting a role in the church. That might be a commitment that you need to make to God that you're going to get serious about your relationship with Him. And so whether you're not a Christian or you're a Christian here today, I just want to encourage you to realize that we don't know how much longer we're going to have. The rapture could occur at any point. And so you can't just keep putting off spiritual decisions. Today is the day that you need to decide. 
when the Jews would marry one another, and this, this is a Jewish wedding ceremony. It's not a Western ceremony. The church is betrothed to Christ now because what the Jews would do with the, the Jewish wedding ceremony, they actually were betrothed and legally married for a year or two years before they actually had the wedding ceremony. And the church today is actually already betrothed to Christ. We are married to Christ, but we just haven't had the marriage ceremony. But in the Jewish culture, what they would do is they would go and prepare a place for the new bride to come in the Father's house. When Jesus was talking to his disciples on the, the night that he was crucified, he told them in John 14, too, I go and prepare a place for you. He was obviously and clearly speaking to them in a marriage relationship idea, and they would have understood that. And he told them, I go and prepare a place for you in my Father's house. I will come again so that where I am, you may be also. He was promising, Revelation chapter 19, that he'll come back one day and take his bride home. And the, the interesting thing in the Jewish culture, it was the father of the groom that makes that decision. It was only the father that would be able to turn to his son when he knew it was right, and he'd say, son, go get your bride. And so the question is, are you ready? Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to ask us to bow in prayer. And I want to let Christians, you spend time praying about what God is calling you to, your level of commitment, your level of your heart for service your heart for other people as a Christian witness. Are you the same Christian you were today that you were 10 years ago, folks? God, is He should be working in your life, drawing you closer. How important is the Bible to you in life to study? How important is Christ to you that you would love other people and talk about other people and have a heart for the gospel, to take the gospel to lost people? What is... What is God calling you to in your life, Christian, to take you to that next step in your Christian experience? What changes does He want you to make? You need to do business with the Lord today. Let me just speak to anyone here today that would say, there's never been a time in my life where I surrender to Christ, and if I die today, I'm going to spend eternity in hell. Folks, you need to realize if that's you, you're not going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb until you open your life to Christ and surrender to Him. And you can do that right now. And you do that in a, in a prayer. The words are not important. What's important is what you're believing in your heart and what you're committing to. I want to lead you in a prayer that you could repeat silently where you're at and just give your life to Christ and be born again. Just pray in your heart something... Like, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that you were raised from the dead. And I believe that you're the Son of God. I want to follow you as the Lord of my life. Take away my sins. and Make me a new creature. Make me new and right. And I'll praise you with my life. Surrender all of who I am to you as the Lord of my life. 
and I'll follow you now. If that's been your prayer today, then you can praise God because you have been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You need to get involved here as a church, as a church attender that now becomes active. And again, Christian, I want to encourage you today to not be static in the Christian experience, but to ask the Lord to let you use each and every day to prepare for eternity. Father, I do pray for our church today that we'd have, we would be marked by an orientation to eternity. We would be characterized by people that worship God for Himself, not in order just to be blessed, but in order to bless Him. And that we would be people that bless our community and our neighbors around the world, not just in saying things, but in what we do, so that our words and our actions match, that our time, that our stewardship of life is faithful, so that we're preparing for that glorious reunion in eternity that's true. God, thank you for being a God that reigns. We worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message will help you in your spiritual walk and growth. For more about Ridgecrest, please visit us on the web at www.rbc-tuscaloosa.com. Have a great day, and God bless.